how not to do it. That's it, right? And that's why some of us are a little uncomfortable with evangelism, with sharing our faith, because we're kind of afraid that, yeah, we're not exactly like those folks, but we might come across a little bit like that, a little bit weird, a little bit out there, a little bit pushy, a little bit strange, and people just turn us down and walk away because they didn't want anything to do with that. Today we continue in the series, we're thinking about what does God want from me, and we're focusing on our mission as a church, to love God and love others. It's that simple. It's what Jesus told us to do. It's all about putting God before everything and sharing the love that he has for us with the people around us. And we've talked about the fact that if we're going to fulfill that mission, we also need a strategy. <clears throat> because most of the time, we don't achieve our goals without some kind of strategy. We just sort of meander along in life. And so as a church, we've adopted three words that I think can help us fulfill our mission to love God and love others. And we've talked about two of those already, gather grow, and then today we're going to come to go. So gathering was what we do here on a Sunday morning, gathering together for worship, allowing that to transform us, allowing God to speak to us and make us into the people and individuals that he wants us to be. And then we also need to grow in our faith, and we do that in smaller groups, and we develop relationships with other Christians and with God through studying scripture, serving together, praying together, all of those things. And today, I think we come to the one that may be a little more uncomfortable for us, and that's going. Now for me, the most comfortable place in my childhood was probably my home, but second to that was church. Because like a lot of students that go to school at Vision Way Christian School, I went to a Christian school, and up through sixth grade, that Christian school was in the church building where I went to church, okay? So six days a week, at least, I was in that same building probably as many waking hours or more than I was at home. And even today, even though the church and the school have both moved years ago, I can still walk through that building, which is a pretty good sized building, and I can see the tile on the floor, and I can see the pews, and I can feel the doorknobs that I opened and closed. It's all right there in my head. There really was no place that was more natural, more comfortable than that building because so much of my life was right there and I loved it. But you know, the problem for us, maybe you feel a little bit like that about this building. Maybe you're not here six days a week, but you've been here a long time and, and this room, this building, these people, except for maybe home, this is a pretty comfortable place for you. Now, if you're newer to our church, we hope that eventually it is really comfortable for you here, if it's not already. But for people who've been here a while, it probably is comfortable. And we can gather here, right? I mean, this is what we're doing today. It's natural for us. We've been doing it for a while. We can even grow here. We go to classes and we serve around this building. We come to Bible studies. We do fellowship at this building. We do all kinds of things here in these rooms. And all that is pretty natural. All that's pretty easy for us. But then when it comes to, to going, you know, we can't go somewhere and stay in the same place we're in, right? Going implies that we're going to move. Going implies that we're going to walk away and do something different. Going means you got to go, right? 
And so that's a little more difficult. That's a little less natural. And so I think for a lot of us, you know, this last couple of weeks, we've heard gather and grow. And for many people in the room, you're thinking, well, yeah, I, I do that stuff already. I mean, I feel pretty good about that. If this is our strategy, then I'm working the strategy. But for a lot of us, when it comes to this last one, that's where we're challenged a little more. And that's where we have to face some fears and some discomfort in ways that maybe we would prefer not to. But if we're going to fulfill the mission that God called us to as a church and as individuals, then we've got to go as well as gather and grow. Today, to get at some of that and to understand it and maybe deal with our fears about being like the people in the video, I want us to turn one more time to Acts chapter 2. We've been studying the end of this chapter. It's really a, a snapshot into the life of the early church. What was the early church like? What did they do? And we've talked about how they gathered and we talked about how they grew. And today I want us to see that they didn't stop there. They also went. Okay? So let's look at Acts chapter 2. Right at the end of the chapter, we've read some of this already in one of the other messages, but I want us to get the context and really hear the end of this. So Acts chapter 2, verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now we've analyzed a good bit of that already. But there's two things I want to notice in those two verses today. First of all, they gathered in the temple courts, right? Now, why did they gather in the temple courts? Why didn't they just gather in somebody's home? Why didn't they just build a church building and then they'd have a place to gather, you know, for themselves like we do? Well, first of all, they probably didn't have the money to do that. They did gather in homes sometimes, but remember there are 3,000 people, so there was no home big enough for that, and they certainly couldn't have afforded to build a building big enough for that. Plus, I think one of the reasons they gathered in the temple courts was when they gathered together, we talked about this last week, one of the reasons they gathered was to hear the apostles' teaching. What were the apostles teaching about? Jesus. And so if they gathered in the temple courts, this is where everybody came. I mean, there was even a place in the temple where the Gentiles could come. And so everyone's passing through, doing their business, going to the temple, all the stuff that's happening in the life of a Jew in the first century or a Gentile in Jerusalem. And so they're there, and, and what's going to happen if the Christians gather to hear the apostles' teaching? People are going to hear. People are going to hear the message of Jesus. And in fact, if you wanted to, and you were a Christian, someone who had just put their faith in Jesus Christ, and you had friends or family that lived in Jerusalem, it would not be strange for you to say, hey, let's go to the temple courts today. Because they did it all the time. And so you had this great opportunity to invite someone you knew to go to the temple, which was a natural place for them, and then hear the message of Jesus. And then the second thing I want us to know is right there at the end of the passage. It says, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now that's interesting language, I think, for us. Because when we think about salvation, a lot of times we think about it being all about me, right? I do this stuff. It's up to me to get this stuff done. But, but Luke reminds us here 
that, yeah, we have a decision to make, right? We have a decision. We're going to follow Jesus. We're going to put our faith in Jesus Christ. We're going to submit to baptism. But he also says that God has a role in this. It's God who added to their number. It's God who, who places us in the family of God. You see, I can't do that on my own. I don't have that kind of power. I don't have that ability to change my status from saved, from unsaved to saved, from sort of out here in the world to being a child of God. I need the power of God at work in me for that to happen. And that's what Luke is telling us. God was at work. And at the end of that, I notice that he says, he was adding to their number daily those who were being saved. Now the language there is, is very specific. And I think it points, it points to a, an understanding about salvation that we need to hear. It, it doesn't say that it just sort of happened. The words being saved point to a process. We usually think about salvation coming at a point in time, okay? The old model is, right, you go to a church service, somebody like me stands up, makes you feel really guilty, and you say, wow, i got to do something, I'm going to follow Jesus. And in that moment, you're saved, right? That, that moment, then you're, you, you make your decision, you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're baptized, you walk home a different person, and sometimes that happens, okay? I don't want to deny that. But here's what I think happens more often. Something's going on in our lives. Something's happening in our soul, in our spirit, in our minds, in our hearts. And we recognize that we have some kind of need and we begin to search. And we look for something. We look for an answer to some of our questions. We look for a solution to some of our problems. We look for help. And then we begin to hear that from someone that we care about. And maybe we have the opportunity to be taught about Jesus. And then after a while, as we explore that and seek him out and find out who Jesus is about, we make a decision to follow Jesus. And after that, we continue to grow in that faith. You see, I think it's more of a process than it is a point. Even today, I think we are being saved, even though we may have followed Jesus a long time ago. God's still working on me, even though I made the decision to follow him 36 years ago. And God is working on you, even though you may have made the decision to follow him a long time ago. You are still being saved. God is at work in your life. It's a process, not just a point in time. Okay, with all that said, what I see here is the early church making opportunities available for people to hear about Jesus and making themselves uncomfortable. How do I know that? Well, you need to read chapter 3 and 4. And I don't have time to read all of 3 and 4, and it's an awesome story. It's sort of a, <coughs> excuse me, a long story. But I encourage you to read it because what we have there is Peter and John healing someone. They begin teaching. They end up in jail. The Christians pray for them. They're released. And what do they pray? They pray, man, I hope this persecution ends really soon. No. They don't pray that at all. They pray that the Spirit would empower them to speak boldly. Regardless of what happens. And that strikes me. That these Christians were so passionate about the message they had from Jesus. 
that he changes lives, that he brings salvation, that he forgives sins, that he restores hope. This message is so great that it didn't matter what the cost was, they wanted the Spirit to empower them to teach, to bring people to Jesus. They were willing to be terribly uncomfortable, even imprisoned, if it meant that people were going to hear about Jesus. Well, that's an important lesson for us. You see, we can, we can gather, and that's a good thing. It's hard to live the Christian life if you don't have the support of other Christians, if you don't have the opportunity for worship with other Christians. And we need to grow. We need to develop our faith. Again, we're being saved. But that's not the end of it. These early Christians, man, it would have been so easy, wouldn't it? I mean, they're facing persecution. They've got opposition. There's the government authorities that are against them. It would have been really easy to huddle up, right? It would have been really easy to come together and say, okay, we're going to stay safe. We're going to get together. We're not going to get out there in the world because that's dangerous. Everything is good right here in these little homes, and we'll meet in small groups, and that'll be the end of it. But they wouldn't do that. They knew that they had to go. And so here's the message for us. We can't do what we've always done to reach people we've never reached. And that's hard to hear, right? I mean, for many of us, what we've always done is we've gathered and we've grown. We've done what's in this building because that's comfortable. But you know what? As long as we just do those two things, there's all these people in the world who will never hear about Jesus because we've got to go. If we keep doing the same stuff, we'll reach the same people we've always reached. But if we want to reach someone who doesn't know Jesus, we've got to do something different. And it'd be easy for us, right? It'd be easy for us to gather up, huddle up. Our, we live in a dangerous world, maybe not like the first century, maybe not like some people in other countries in our world today who are facing real persecution. But here's the truth. Our world is difficult sometimes. It is scary. It'd be easier to huddle up. And say, man, this is a safe place for us. And it feels good to gather in homes or in Bible studies in this room. And we feel good about it. But that means if we say that, that's our strategy, we're going to gather and we're going to grow. Then we're going to leave the world, and this is literal, to go to hell, right? Because we don't care. And that's not good enough for the people of God. We've also got to go. And so I want us to think about two words as our strategy for this sort of a sub-strategy, if you will, for us to go. The first word is invest. You know, you have people in your life that you already know. We don't have to just talk to strangers. We don't have to wear, you know, jewelry and shirts that communicate who we are in Jesus. We don't have to be people over the head with books. But you know people in your life that don't know Jesus. They may be friends, they may be family, they may be acquaintances, people that you run into frequently. And the first thing we can do is invest in their lives. You know, we're all about loving God and loving others. And all we're saying is we want to love them. Let them know we care. Invest in them. Be a presence, a positive, encouraging presence in their lives. Because when we do that, we earn the right for the second step in this invite. Invest and invite. And maybe today you don't feel fully 
comfortable saying, you know what, I could share Jesus with a friend. Maybe you do, and that's awesome. And really, it's all about sharing what Jesus has done in your life and what he can do for them. But, but you can't invite them. And we want our worship services, our experiences, our environments here at church to be such that if someone comes in, they're going to hear the message of Jesus. Not just in a sermon, but in our worship and around the table and as we pray, as we read God's word, and as we open it together. So we invest to earn the right to invite so that people can hear the message of Jesus. That's one way to go, to get out in our community, to get out in the world, and one that's not going to weird people out, right? And give them the opportunity to respond to the message of Jesus. It would be so easy for us to keep doing what we have always done. It would be so easy for us to keep gathering and keep growing and forget that the world needs to hear about Jesus. But we've also got to go. And we've also got to do something more than we've done before to make ourselves uncomfortable so that people can hear the message of Jesus so that we have the opportunity to invest and invite. Let's pray together. <coughs> God, help us to have the courage to make ourselves uncomfortable. We don't want to. We'd rather just we'd rather stay with what makes us feel good, to stay in this room. God, help us to overcome our fear, overcome our discomfort so that we're ready to go to invest in the lives of the people around us and invite them to be part of what's going on here because god we believe you are at work in this place and among these people help us to do what we've never done before so that we can reach people that we've never reached and do it in your name we pray it in jesus name amen I want to give you an opportunity to respond today. Maybe you've sort of been through this. Maybe you know somebody's really invested in your life and they've invited you to be part of what's going on here and you've heard the message of Jesus and you know it's time to make a decision to follow him. And we would rejoice if you're ready to put your faith in him and then to be baptized into Christ. Or, or maybe you've done all that, you've believed and you've repented and you've been immersed into Christ and you want to be a member of our church. If you've made one of those decisions, we'd like to know about it. Or if, if you want to talk to me after the service, that's fine. But right now, we're going to sing a song. We're going to sing an invitation and give you the opportunity to respond. We'd love for you to come forward. Let me know about that. And we can walk with you in your journey of faith. Let's stand together and sing.